So, dude, you know I'm a terrible person, right? Always. Um, so, obviously, I only half listen to my patients when I'm making small talk with them all day. I'm, like, seeming really engaged, but I'm, like, not mentally there at all. Granted, there was an exception to that last week. I had this dude come in, head to toe, covered in these awesome badass tattoos. And I'm, like, at one point, like, okay, I just have to ask, like what was your inspiration for, like, these tattoos? Like, where'd you get these ideas? He's like, ah, oh, it's some that just had cool colors. Somebody just wanted this design. Some from comic books. And I'm like, you now have my attention. <laughs> and he just we just went off on comic books for, like, 45 minutes. He had this dope-ass uh, Neil Gaiman Sandman tattoo on his hamstring that was, like, in Asian style. And I'm like, this is incredible. That sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> wow. Oh, oh man, I, that makes me want to just start and sit and think about the random anime and nerdy tattoos that I want to get because I want to get all of them. But right now I'm focusing on the uh, I'm going to get my thigh tattooed and I'm like less than a month, but that's going to be a skull I, and flowers. It's going to look cool. That one's a cool one. I mean, that's a good solid one for right now. Are you still thinking the Balrog dude? At some point, I will get like a. I have like a the idea to do, a Lord of the Rings. I already have a Star Wars tattoo, and then do like a Marvel tattoo. And my tattoo artist and I have already kind of like, cons- started conceptually coming up with ideas so that, at some point in my life, I will be, just tattooed probably head to toe. You know. In. And you know what? You're going to have, at some point, a Pod Wars tattoo. Because we are Pod Wars, everyone. I'm here with my favorite tattooed nerd here, Justice. Hey, guys. Or what is it? What's up, guys? I mean, close enough. Either way, it brings me joy. And we got some nerdy nuggets for you today. Some on the video game front. Some Star Wars front. And going over and following our breakdowns of the What If series. But first... I think um, as we are recording this, the Hawkeye trailer dropped, so we're going to do our usual act like um, we're pausing the screen, pausing the recording, but it's going to come back in a second and we're going to talk about it because Gary clearly hasn't seen it. I am that guy that will watch it as soon as I get a notification on my phone and I have seen it already but would like to like it, like to watch it a second time. So, uh, so Gary, initial thoughts, shoot them this way. Um, I don't know. Guys, I'm sorry, but I'm one of the type that just doesn't care about Hawkeye. But at the same time, I'm a DC fan who didn't care about Green Arrow, and I actually liked a little bit of the Arrow at first before it became really CW'd up. So I feel like this is going to be... I might be pleasantly surprised, because my expectations are rather low. Um, That being said, Hawkeye is Ronin, I think, is a cool character because he's a little bit darker and more interesting and adding Kate Bishop could be cool for young Avengers, but it's a low expectations. So I'm, I'm hoping to be just pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Like every other Marvel thing, I know I'll be pleasantly surprised with it. One of the things I wrote, I got a bunch of things down as we were watching it the second time. One Rogers, the musical I really hope yes. there's like a self-referential thing throughout the whole series where they're just kind of making fun of that kind of stuff. I think that would be great. And I would totally see that musical any second. Uh, me too. Uh, other thing, I think this is going to go on the list of is this a Christmas movie thing, kind of like Die Hard hmm. or not? I think that's that's kind of what they're going for based off the release. I mean, they leaned really heavily into that with the trailer. Yeah, oh, no, especially with the whole Christmas music, for sure. But, I mean, we'll see. They're, they have potential with it. It's just, I'm sorry, guys, I'm just not a huge Hawkeye fan. Um, and I don't know how much it's going to affect the larger MCU, because it's not like Hawkeye is going to cause a multiversal kind of event to happen, you know? As funny as that would be for Hawkeye to be the one who, like, breaks the multiverse. Right. Other things that I thought was super cool while watching that trailer... One, I love that he caught the Molotov and then threw it back. That was really cool. That was dope. That was dope. Um, I think it'd be interesting if they did bring back Ronan. I like that character. I'm also wondering, you know, are they going to... It seems like they might be taking from Hawkeye Freefall 
and then also the story where Kate Bishop is introduced. Um, so I'm just wondering what you know what comics are they pulling from? Where where is their source material? And then the last thing I'm just wondering is uh, who's the villain? Is it just going to be the underbelly of I guess the Marvel, the MCU, or is there going to be an actual overarching villain that might somehow connect with the whole thing going on with, uh, I, I want to say Madam Hydra, but like basically the lady who's recruiting all the dark people and all their Disney plus shows and black widow. That would be, that would be a good way to bridge it together. I mean, if they're doing dark underbelly, the first name that comes to mind to me is Wilson Fisk, but I don't think this is how they're going to introduce him. Um, I think the Madam Hydra angle would be the better way of going about it. Well, we did see... I don't, you haven't seen Black Widow yet, have you? I still haven't, because I'm a piece of shit. That's okay. So I want to spoil... Spoilers, y'all. Um, and for you, Gary. The post-scene credit, you see um, Black Widow's sister. I for, I'm blanking on names. I'm just like going through this period of where I like, can't remember people's names right now, so I apologize. But basically, she's standing at... Uh, Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow's grave, mourning her, and lady who recruits. Oh my goodness! Basically, Madame Hydra that we're lady that we're, we're referring to. The saying, one who recruits U.S. agent yes. in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, her yeah. walks up and says, "Like, do you want to find the person who killed your sister?" And hands a picture, and it's a picture of Hawkeye on, oh, like a tablet. So I'm wondering if that is all going to also play into the Hawkeye series. Ooh, I like that. I like that thought. Um, which I, I didn't get that impression from the trailer right away, but it certainly could. And it'll be a cool connection if you add in like US agent in some way too, to kind of connect the TV shows. I don't know. There, there's ways they can take this that could be interesting, but guys, I'm sorry. It's Hawkeye, you know? Yeah. I also don't know how I really feel about Jeremy Renner. There's some things that's come out. He kind of sounds like a crappy person. So there's just that too. I don't know. I, I, I don't even know what you're referring to yet. It's okay. Yeah, uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, I, I'll go- do some Googling after this. But we'll, we'll see. It, it's releasing, what, around Christmas time? Yeah, it's in November, but I'm assuming it's multiple episodes, so maybe the last one will be around Christmas time. I feel like the whole Christmas music... Are you, hold on, Gary. Are you the person that plays Christmas music before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving? After Thanksgiving, um, I always end up listening to it beforehand because of my wife and my work, but it kind of kills me inside. I definitely think I'm a guy that needs it after Thanksgiving. I'm fine if it plays every single day after Thanksgiving. I just Same. don't want it before Thanksgiving. Me too. I, I You have to wait until after I get good and fat after Thanksgiving, then I'm accepting it. But you could play Spirit of Halloween all year round, and that's that's totally fine. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Oh, I'm just weird like that. But what, but yeah. Should we get into some nerdy nuggets? I think we should. So, this week was big for PlayStation. Um, we've probably talked about this on the show, how we are both of the mindset of you wait as long as possible before you buy the new console because the good games for it don't come out too well into the console cycle. And... PS5, PlayStation has just announced a huge list of games to basically be a big old middle finger to Xbox. I mean, Xbox did kind of give them middle finger by buying Bethesda and having like Elder Scrolls. Bethesda. Yeah, Bethesda. Uh, But the games that were announced, I kind of feel like are a bigger middle finger to the other other side i still don't know how if they're it's going to be just a like solo release like a console exclusive i kind of feel like at some point they'll you know release it to the other side but going off what you said about how you never buy the console when it first comes out it's true like if you look at the games that are out for ps5 there's not a whole lot and when you look at xbox exclusive games we're still waiting for the halo game to come out like it's taking forever for that to come out yeah so that's why you, you don't you don't wait. And especially, I know people are... I, the argument I've heard is, well, it takes so long to get a PS5 or an Xbox now because of the chip shortage. So you might as well just get it as soon as you can because it's so like scarce. But still, I'm not going to waste $700, $800 for a system that there's no games to play. Totally agreed. But like the lineup here... I, I'm a huge Bethesda fan. 
I love Skyrim. I'm one of those weirdos who has Skyrim on multiple systems because I just freaking love that game. And my heart is torn because I want to get the new Elder Scrolls whenever the hell it comes out. Who knows? Any Elder Scrolls fans know that it could come out literally 20 years from now. But I'm also a huge fan of the upcoming games. So we got a few here. First one, let's, let's talk a little bit of God of War. So we have God of War Ragnarok with... Thor looking thick. He looks like Thor almost from Endgame, but not like a depressed piece of shit. Like an actual, <laughs> just like, like if you read, you know, North Norse mythology, like Thor is this drunk, you know, brutal, bigger guy. Like he's, he's fit and whatnot, but he, he's kind of more of like, you know, the mountain from Game of Thrones or, or like, He's big and muscular, but he's still got like a kind of a gut to him because he pounds a lot of beer, but beats the ever-living crap out of people with Melnir. Yeah, he's the kind of guy who will shotgun a beer before punching in the face. Like, that's what this Thor looks like, and I'm all for it. Oh, totally. Like, he, he looks like a just the pinnacle of Viking, and it's a fantastic character design. I love how they just decide to say F it to the Marvel formula of Thor, or even the classic, like what we think of as the Norse god Thor, and they just made uber-Viking man Thor. Oh, it's totally different. Not what I was expecting at all. When I first saw it, I was kind of shocked. I'm like, that's that's Thor? Like, no way. And, and there's another, um, there's an anime that came out recently. I think it's called Ragnarok. It's on Netflix. But their Thor is this scrawny emo guy with a huge act. Like, Melnir is huge. And, and so I just love all these different iterations that we're getting of Thor. Yeah, it's it's cool, and Mjolnir does have a different look to it, uh, but also is still pretty badass. Anybody who played like the like the true ending of God of War that went back to the house kind of saw a little glimpse of the hammer, and he's got that awesome like that redheaded beard, and we have some other characters too, Angroba and Ang Angdoba. I, I can't say words, dude. I deeply apologize. Who I have no idea who she is. Um, and a slightly older looking Atreus, who I won't spoil who Atreus is if you haven't played God of War number one. And our new character design for Kratos, which is still pretty similar to the one from last time, except it has leaning into more of the Norse kind of armor versus the, um, the kind of Greek blades. Yeah, but I still love it. Like when they he goes back to those Greek roots in the in the game. Oh, same. It it also adds in a really cool gameplay element. Oh, for sure. What well, guys? We I think we've talked about it in the pod before. But if you're looking for a game to play that you can sink hours into, that lets you roam, but also has a good story to it, that's not like overwhelming. God of War, probably one of my top ten favorite games of all time. Highly, highly suggest that that you play that game, especially with the new one coming out. Yeah, it's so like uh, video games these days are either incredibly short and sparse on content or so filled with content. You're like, this is kind of boring. God of War is that perfect in between where like it has a compelling story, but you want to do everything else. And it's not like even though I love Skyrim, it's Skyrim's kind of like overloaded with content. This is found that perfect balance the combat is one of the best out there it's like dark souls on steroids in the kind of finer points of the combat in an incredibly satisfying way and i just love it yeah and i would say almost to the combat it's like a little like god of war is ex- or i'm sorry um uh dark souls is extremely difficult and then i would say like there's jedi fallen order and then there's like assassin's creed origins and it's kind of a combination of maybe all three of them i would say Mm, true it's uh, by dark souls and steroids i mean it has the dark souls feel except it amps up the intensity of the combat like you're doing more intense and badass things than you are in kind of those souls born type of games right and if you played the avengers game where you've been thor and thrown his hammer the axe throwing mechanics or other weapon mechanics in god of war is a hundred times better than whatever they did in avengers and i loved avengers like for the thor you know throwing melnir aspect but again like god of war they perfected it they made it even better so i'm excited for this next one but guys they announced one star wars game that we'll get into 
and two Marvel games. So I think we should talk about the Marvel games first because Star Wars, I think there's more, a little more to it. Um, but they announced a Wolverine video game. It was a short teaser. It's just there's a bunch of, you know, bodies on the floor in normal Wolverine style. Him sitting at a bar and a guy walking up to him and his claws just kind of extend out of his bloody knuckles. And I'm here for it. I know I'm going to say this and people, I know you're probably going to judge me for it. But back in the day when the Wolverine, I believe it's not Origins. It might be the Origins game, but there's an old Xbox Wolverine game. And I absolutely loved that game. It's awful. It's stupid. But I just love going berserker mode and like wrecking guys. I, I remember playing that game and it is not a good game, but it is a freaking blast. And like, I just love the idea of a Wolverine game and hopefully them expanding into a video game Marvel Universe. You know, um, one thing that I noticed in the Wolverine trailer was, okay, so I don't know if this is going to end up this way or if it's just a fun little Easter egg. There's a license plate that said Hulk 181, which is That's the awesome. original comic. Right? It's the original comic where Wolverine first shows up and fights the Hulk. Fights the Hulk. And one, that's a dope Easter egg. And two, a lot of fans are like, does this mean the next one on the docket is a Hulk game? Which I'd be all for. That'd be cool. I know they kind of did Hulk in the Avengers game. It was fun. Like that, I don't think people gave that game enough credit. It's not like I, I think I, my expectations were too high, but it's still enjoyable. It's just very grindy. That's the only downside to it. But I'm excited just to go and take Wolverine's claws and just absolutely just like go through someone's brains and just see blood splatter on the wall. Maybe I'm a little desensitized to some violence, but it's okay. Dude, they better not be like Fallen Order who is afraid to do dismembered limbs. Like it's Wolverine, guys. You have to be willing to go gory AF that with game this kind of game. Has to be M. I'm sorry. It just can't be It just has to. But they're gonna make it teen, whatever. I get it, I understand. But you're lame if you do. Uh, then there'll be a mod out there one day. One day. And the other Marvel game that was announced, which we all kind of knew was happening, but I, I'm still pleasantly surprised with what they're doing with it, but the Spider-Man 2 game. So, mm. like I said, God of War, amazing PS4 game. Spider-Man is also up there as well, like on the top 10 list for me for PS4 games. And I, didn't, I haven't had a chance to play the Miles Morales game because I... Haven't really been playing a whole lot of video games, but this one looks really good because it's got both Peter, it's got Miles, and I just love the fact that the villain is Venom. Yeah, it's... I, I'm excited for it, dude. It's going to be dope. It most Okay, most people bought a PS4 purely for the Spider-Man game. Me. Hell, that's why you bought it. That's why you bought it was for Spider-Man. I, I literally told my ex-wife at the time, I was just like, yo... I'm going to go spend the money. I'm, I I can't not play this game. And she was like, sure, whatever. And that is not why we got divorced, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> But the Spider-Man game stayed with you, okay? She was in passing. She was a phase. <laughs> the the Spider-Man game is forever. Forever, yo. <laughs> and it was an incredible game. So, like, the swinging mechanics, I think, are... Well, just as the mechanics made you feel like Spider-Man which is something that a lot of games have tried and few have done well. Like, it's still being compared to, like, the old GameCube game was kind of the pinnacle for so long, and it was finally surpassed by this game with the, oh, the Spider-Man mechanics. The Spider-Man 2 game? That was that was amazing. Uh, the old, old, old Spider-Man 2 game? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was always great. Uh, I think another thing that really steps up the video games, again, I haven't played the Miles Morales game, but I've seen some really good reviews on it because you get to use, like, his extra powers like the shock and going invisible. But I love the accessories that you get to do with like the different suits, like the and the different like powers that each suit, you know, gives you like the iron spider suit or whatnot. Um, so I'm excited to I would personally would love it to see if you could do like an online thing where like you're swinging like someone's Miles Morales and you're Peter Parker or vice versa and you can play together and go do things around the city together that's another thing that's a great aspect about this game is that it's so well detailed like New York is so like down brick by brick you know block by block is it's so like immersive and and I've just 
I love that you can interact with people <laughs> on the streets and give them high fives or they can tell you that you're the worst person in the world because it's Spider-Man and half New York hates him. And like the usual way video games go is you have three things. Great world, great mechanics, great story. And you're only allowed to choose two. In Spider-Man's case, they actually had all three encompassed in there, which is a rarity among video games. Usually you're just happy with two of them being decent. Like, the story is truly compelling, and you actually are, like, rooting for him and Mary Jane. And that's part of why I actually loved it. I also like the villain because it wasn't just a normal villain. They introduced a relatively new, you know, Mr. Negative yeah. villain. He was He's interesting. He's cool. And you get Feast, which is Aunt May's thing, which we kind of talked about in a previous episode where it seems like in the new Spider-Man trailer, Peter Parker is running through um, Aunt May's soup kitchen, which is called Feast. So that is the video game front for Marvel. But I personally think among the four games, this might be controversial, but this next one is the one that I am, am most excited about. It's the one that fans have been clamoring for for how many years. It is, again, I think on of like an all-time video game list, it's got to be on there. It's a you know greatest hit. We're getting a Knights of the Old Republic remake. So I did not think this would ever happen. I see this all the time on different things online for Star Wars fans, and I seriously never thought this would happen. For those of you who have played the game, you know why we're excited. For those who haven't, it's so it's aged. The mechanics of it aren't great because it is an older game, and you can feel its age. But the story is so immensely well done. The world building is so immensely well done that you can play it now and still get significant enjoyment out of it. If, if, and fans have just if you're gonna play it, play it on your phone. It's like three dollars. And that it, it's a lot less like clunky than playing on an actual system. And so I think that kind of bypasses the uh, old game mechanic of it. But like Gary was saying, you can't beat not playing this game. Like you just have to, especially if you're going to play, play the remake. It's, it's just too good to pass up. It has one of the best stories in Star Wars. And the classic character that you probably have seen amount, a good amount of, uh, Revan is the figurehead of it with his enemy being Darth Malak. And a lot of Star Wars fans have heard about the Old Republic. This is where it comes from. This is where you get a lot of the juiciness about the Old Republic amongst also the novels. But when people think Old Republic, they think of this game. And the immensity of world building, the ins and outs you get of both the Jedi, the Sith, the dark underbelly of Star Wars, it has a little bit of everything for every type of Star Wars fan. And... The best part is the RPG element. And Justice, can you give him kind of a breakdown and kind of the choice-making systems of this game? <laughs> yes. So uh, like a normal, I guess, RPG game, you get to, when you meet a character, you can do, basically it's like a yes, no, like a, a good, evil, or a neutral answer. Sometimes there's more or not if you want to get more information out of them. But you, as like you progress in the game, you can like persistently choose if you want to be evil or good so like based on your answers like someone like oh can you please help me with my son like no and then you kill her and then the girl's son like and then you just get like sith points and you could get like more and more like evil you use that to you know you use the the sith influence on certain like your certain gameplay or if you want to be good and you know you want to you know, help the person out. You you get like gain more good points, and you know you may have uh, uh, people accept you and you know think you're a nice guy, and like you might get a better outcome in certain situations. That's what that's the great part about RPG is like you get to choose what kind of outcomes you're looking for. You know, when you be neutral, and I really think with the updated remake, they'll make they'll be able to really expand on this, and I'm really hoping that they're able to. I'm, I know that it's going to be a remake, so we're going to get like basically the same story. But I'm hoping we were able to go to other worlds as well. Um, and guys, I've played the game hundreds of times, and I don't know why, but I always struggle being a Sith. Like I, every time I start a new game, I'm like, I'm going to be evil. I'm going to just do evil things, and then I, I have a really hard time electrocuting people just right on the spot. <laughs> I don't. I always play hardcore Sith. And like that's part of the the joy of it is you can choose a path that both changes the story and changes the character. Like physically your character starts to look different if he's good or evil or kind of in between. The power set you get 
is different. Like if you go the light path, you get a lot of great healing powers, a lot of other things that are very useful. If you go the dark path, you get a lot of things like force lightning, more Sith powers that are also useful, but completely makes it a different experience and vastly different endings. And it also affects how your party interacts with you. Like in the first game when you're playing, you have Jedi or good guys on your team. And if you do something bad, they'll they'll be upset with you, which I mean, like doesn't really affect a whole lot of the game because they'll still follow you around. But I'm assuming that in this remake, it will really actually affect the choices. Like if you are clearly evil in front of them, they might just like kind of end up and leave. Which, I mean, you're right. It doesn't, some of it doesn't affect it, but it definitely does near the end. I won't spoil how, but like one of the main uh characters you can greatly affect not only your path but this character's path oh so it does overall um affect things in ways that you don't always know off the get-go but that being said dude there's got to be a lot of things that fans want to improve for one i'm back and forth on the turn-based combat like part of me really wants them to ditch it i don't think they need to do turn-based combat i think we've gotten progressive enough with our rpg system video games that you could just take it out and just let it be, you know, smooth. And I, a lot of times I personally, what stops me from playing the game is the, having to wait. And then like, it just the, the turn-based aspect of it. Um, I think it's outdated. Uh, I know there's some traditionalists out there who probably really want it, want it to be, they don't want the game to change at all, but let's bring it to the 21st century. I'd agree on that. I'd say the world is actually a decent size, but they can definitely make it bigger. Um, but the world doesn't feel small when you're playing the old game. Um, they did a good job of it, but you can definitely make it bigger. And the the way they do dialogue is pretty good, but they can add in a little more nuance. Um, usually there is a very clear dark or light answer, and they could do more of the Witcher route where like it's very there's a lot of gray. Um, so there's little tweaks it can do while still keeping the core experience relatively the same. One of the things that I'm really hoping that they change is you kind of have to go to certain planets to do like activate certain things. And if you go in the wrong order, sometimes the game glitches out and then you can't you like you can't get the credit or the 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 mid scene credit that you need to advance the game. That's happened to me many times playing. Y- yeah, the game is buggy as hell. It's it's definitely you can tell it's from two thousand whatever. It's buggy as hell, but like it's also so worth it, which is why people have been clamming for a remake, is because we want a game that isn't aged and buggy and still has this feeling that it provokes in you. If we get Cyberpunk whatever the last like the digits are for this Knights of the Old Republic game, I'm going to flip a table. Yeah, except hopefully it won't be filled with bugs and all kinds of shit like Cyberpunk was. Granted, I'm giving that game another shot. I still have hope for them. I love The Witcher 3 too much not to play it. Nope, nope. CD Red or CD Project Project Red. Project Red can uh, take my money back. Even though you got it for free off of me. Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Or give me my money back. So are you ready for some what if now, dude? I do. I'm really excited to talk about this because... We're going to talk about the last two episodes because I think we covered the other ones, but these two are arguably mm-hmm. the, the two best episodes. These are my two favorites. We're talking about the one with Doctor Strange losing his heart and the what if zombies. So I I got some note, notes on the Doctor Strange one. Justice has a lot in the zombies one. Um, to start with the Doctor Strange episode, honestly, this was probably my favorite of the series because it actually in some ways was the darkest and the most profound in what happened. Um, And there's a whole lot that goes on. I mean, the biggest thing is from the get-go, it's already vastly different with Doctor Strange. Like, he's still with his love interest. He's still with Christine. And he's entirely switching from that self-absorbed going to become a Sorcerer Supreme for his hands to becoming Sorcerer Supreme to save his love. The beginning of the episode really is legitimately sad. The mm-hmm. constantly over and over trying to save her, coming up with different ways, thinking outside of the box, and each and every single time having seeing his heart just get more and more crushed because he's not able to save her. 
That that was that legitimately was heartbreaking for me. And he's kind of the villain in his own episode, but because it's so heartbreaking, you feel for him, and you're kind of like, I I can't say I wouldn't necessarily do the same. You know, like if you had Doctor Strange's powers, wouldn't you do the same kind of thing? Exactly. I would I would try going out of my way to save the one that I love, um, at all costs. And he does that. And I but I also do think there might be an element of it keep on getting it keeps on getting exacerbated because he keeps on doing it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering though, like maybe I'm since like hindsight's twenty twenty, I've been watching it from the outside. I don't know. I probably would do the same thing. So a little nugget from it. So obviously we're kind of skipping over, but Doctor Strange loses Christine, becomes Sorcerer Supreme, and uses the Time Stone to keep going back to try to save her. And they kind of skip through Doctor Strange 1 in that. One little cool tidbit that connects into later. So they're talking about how he successfully completed a hemispherectomy. And so that procedure is for people with seizures. And what they do is they actually take out half the brain. And that is major foreshadowing for what happens with Doctor Strange later, where the Ancient One basically takes up takes away half of him to form a new Doctor Strange. So when I heard that, I'm like, Whoa. that's dope. Mind right? blown. I probably should have figured that out. Right? And also, hemispherectomy is a dope-ass procedure. People actually survive from half their brain taken out. It is sick. How do you do that? I don't know. You just get, like... A melon baller or an ice cream scoop and just go at it <laughs> no <laughs> trust me I, i'm a doctor kind of and so i thought that was cool and dr strange then goes on to deciding all right the mystic arts have a lot of power within it that isn't known to me the ancient one is definitely hiding some stuff he decides to go all the way back to the library of cagliostro so cagliostro is actually from the comics as well and his origin is its very different than the character in the series here. What he is is uh, in th- 1000 AD, he ruled over a kingdom in India. In the comics, he also trained Doctor Doom when Doctor Doom went back in time, trained Doom in the mystic arts. And the big thing with Cagliostro was he had the immortality elixir. So it's an immortal dude that's just incredibly powerful with the mystic arts, knows a lot, trained do- Doctor Doom. Um... Obeng, or whatever they pronounce it as, is also another name for Cagliostro. So many believe that the character who was watching over the library was Cagliostro, even though he said he wasn't. Uh, I like how he's like, what's your name? And he's or and he's like, Armani. And he's like, no, it's strange. He's like, some people have strange names. I just like, I don't know. that. The... It's total callback to Doctor Strange 1, dude. I loved it. I know. And the episode's good because there's a lot of body horror and when because it gets to the point where he figures out he the reason he can't save Christine is because it's like a time point or like a crisis point in time. And if he undoes that, then it's going to end the universe. And Doctor Strange, being his normal so, uh, absorbed self, is going to figure out a way to break that. Cagliostro apparently knew how to, and the way to do that is gain a bunch of power. And so how does he do that? He absorbs random creatures, which is where you get into the body horror, because he is absorbing all types of things. All types of evil things. And it is like, it flashes by quick, but it is dark animation. Like, it is super cool. One of them, if you catch it on the way through, is actually, it looks like he absorbed Dormammu. Because it definitely looks like he has Dormammu's face. And that was so sick. I watched it with Matt on the second time. And one of the things that he pointed out, and I kind of thought the same thing, is that huge octopus leg thing, was is that a callback to the other What If episode? Maybe it's the same monster that Peggy was fighting when she went into the with, with the uh, in Tesseract when he's pulling it that's exactly the impression i got too was it was the same monster and i believe correct me if i'm wrong people we saw a teaser coming out of uh peggy as captain carter meeting this dark doctor strange so i'm wondering if these two are going to connect in some way that'd be interesting the one thing that i guess now that you're talking about how like there he performed that surgery and how like the it's you know half the brain i guess it kind of makes sense like i don't know why i didn't realize that 
did you pick up on the fact that he was going to have like two stranges in this universe and there was going to be a, you know, a second one, an evil one and a good one? Not until they both met and like after the ancient one kind of explained it. Like I didn't catch that from that scene. It was more so after the fact when I was looking over little nuggets in the episode that I'm like, okay, that's kind of dope. Like they did give some little tease for a good and evil Doctor Strange. Um, but I want to take a little step back and talk about those absolute points because it's expanding on the MCU's way of describing time. And I think that's more in, more uh, important now that we have the multiverse and all this stuff with the time stone, time travel. And this idea of an absolute point is a point that no matter what, in it has to happen. So like Doctor Strange has to become the Sorcerer Supreme. It's an absolute point in time. And it just made it interesting to me of, okay, does this is this going to be consistent throughout all multiverses? Is this going to be... Are there other absolute points in time, like Thanos doing the snap? It just adds more to the Marvel Marvel mythos and their description of the multiverse. Or it might just be for that particular universe. Like, you know, we, we have no idea. It'd be cool if they did expand on it, because I do like the idea that, like, certain things have to happen. But that, I guess... I guess that would also kind of just change their whole perspective on how they did Endgame because if Thanos' snap was something that had to happen, I guess they didn't go and try. They did try stopping it. I, I don't really know. I'm talking in circles. I'm trying to. I'm part. I'm like currently like uh, thinking about my stuff while I'm talking about it. So I'm just gonna shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a mind bending thing to think about, and I I thought that was dope that they're adding more to their like weird description of time now dr strange gets all these beings together and he does actually resurrect christine um but before that actually let's go into the strange versus strange fight you have an evil versus a good dr strange and i thought that was a super cool fight i liked it a lot like him using the dark magic i like that i liked the wong puts a spell on good dr strange before he gets, I guess, sucked into the ethos, because uh, everything's kind of getting like pulled away. There, and I like how as the fight's going on, you like you see the magic like slowly like dissipate off of his face until there's no more like protection spells. I really liked that for some reason in the battle. And I also thought it was cool how like when the Eye of Agamotto, when the evil Strange wins, the Eye of Agamotto turns from green to red. Which, to me, I take that as a sign of chaos magic. The magic we see Scarlet Witch doing in uh, WandaVision. And you you get a lot of chaos magic vibes. Because even when Doctor Strange puts up that barrier, it looks a lot like Wanda's barrier from WandaVision. And in this episode, you have the Watcher interact a little more than he has in other episodes. There's a time where, as evil Doctor Strange is absorbing the different creatures... He's like, I could say something to him, but I won't because that will, you know, ruin or risk the rest of the universe, not just this one or reality. And and evil Doctor Strange, like, almost can hear him like as a, in a whisper. But then at the end of the episode, the 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 watcher is kind of a dick, but like rightfully so. He's like, it's not meant for me to say this. And you did this to yourself. And he's like, I'm not God and neither are you and just leaves him there. But that's kind of the Watcher's deal, you know? But granted, I don't know. The Watcher is weird, guys. Like, he's brought into the comics through Fantastic Four, and his whole thing is, I don't help people, I just watch. But let me help you by helping you defeat Galactus. He's hypocritical, because there's times where he does interact, and then like he messes everything up even mm-hmm. worse than what it, when it should have been. So his whole I'm just watching thing is bullshit. I mean, yes. But it was cool seeing a character actually interact with the Watcher. I, I would venture to say maybe the third episode kind of and the fourth episode, but this or sorry, the fifth episode, but this episode really seemed like a actual what if, like what if this had happened, what's going to occur? Whereas like, and, and I also felt like that with the Avengers one where they all died, that would be, that was interesting. So I feel like the first two were kind of like a, like a little tease, but this one really felt like, Yo, when you switch this thing, this evil thing's going to happen, and there's not a good outcome. Yeah, it, it explores the darker side in the multiverse in a really cool way, and the ending is like, it legitimately feels unsettling. Doctor Strange is left alone in an orb 
around the nothingness that he produced by destroying everything. Like, it is dark, Same. guys. Right? Should we hop into the uh, episode five, the, the zombies one? Dude, this was what I was hoping for when they mentioned what if. Marvel zombies. Let's Let's jump into it. So one of the things that I first recognized was I so I watched the episode and I did my normal thing where I fell asleep because I was tired. I don't know why I watch things when I'm tired. So I watched it today on my lunch break, which is always a great time to watch things. But I noticed this is another what if episode where Hank Pym fucks things. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Hank Pym they are hating on Hank Pym in these episodes, dude. I don't know. I mean, rightfully so. Like, he slapped Janet across the face. I mean, he's a wife beater, so, like, it's kind of his thing. And he created Ultron, so he is a garbage human being. But otherwise, great. Right, right, right. So, I, the one thing I did like about this episode is how they introduced the virus. The The concept is that as Janet went to the quantum realm... She got infected with something, and when they came back to save her like they did in Ant-Man, that's how the virus came into this universe that we saw in this episode. I thought that was brilliant, because I was like, how are you going to introduce, in a different way, how are you going to introduce a new zombie virus? And I thought it did a very good job. It's a creative way to do it that makes sense in the MCU. For the fans who are more of the movie and TV fans... Just so you know, Marvel Zombies is actually, it's a classic storyline within comics. Um, it's something that's a, a fairly well-known comic series. So it's not like they just said, F it, let's throw in some zombies. As fun as that would be. It's like, it was actually a pretty popular comic line. Yeah, there's there's five, four volumes of it. Another one came out recently. It's really good. Like I, I enjoy reading them. I mean, zombies are always fun. Left for Dead, you know. Gotta love those games. Yeah, and that, those comics came out around the zombie craze with Walking Dead and Left 4 Dead. And Marvel's like, all right, let's do an ode to fans and actually bring this into production. The thing I really like about this episode, we talked about the body horror in the last episode with Doctor Strange. This episode, I think, really heavily plays into the gore, which you kind of have to as zombies. But Disney did. Disney could have rated this episode as PG-13. Like there, there are some things absolutely where there's there's a lot of blood, there's a lot of heads getting chopped off, there's a lot of uh, zombies getting their skin eaten off by ants and their skeletons. You got a lot going on when it comes to horror and zombies. I mean, the wasp literally went inside of Zombie Sharon Carter and then in- exploded her from the inside. Like, it, it's pretty gory. And Bucky straight up cuts Captain America in half. I like, love that it's fight. It's classic zombie horror. Loved, love that Such fight. Such a good fight. Where, you know, the, the, like you have the showdown and you have like the callback where he catches the shield, but this time he turns around and throws it and like it cuts Cap in half. I, I just, I really appreciated that fight. Poor Hope and Sharon. But I love, and then, then Bucky like grabs Sharon's face and just throws her to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love when Falcon gets taken down and Bucky's like, I should be more sad about this, but I'm not. And that's one thing that I really appreciate about this episode. There, It's very, very funny. They, they, did, they paired a very good job with having the gore and the horror aspect with the humor. There's a lot of jokes that I thought they all kind of stuck. Like, um happy going blam 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 <laughs> with the with iron man's mm-hmm. weapon um akoya when he cuts when she cuts a falcon in half and then the other one that i thought was hilarious um oh no i'm blinking oh when when you know she mentions that we should split into groups and peter parker's like have you not seen any horror movies and she goes no in wakanda we, <laughs> we have america's reality tv show that's horror in itself and it's like oh damn <laughs> they they kept it light um just by the people they had in there i mean just having it be a spider-man led team makes it lighter and after the really dark doctor strange episode like we needed a lighter fun one even though it's a whole zombies thing and everyone's dying left and right um i loved stacking a little step back early in the episode how it's got like zombie land vibes mixed with like you remember like Ned's guides or uh, Ned's declassified? Yes. Yeah, it got that kind of vibe with Peter Parker showing 
Bruce Banner, How to Survive a Zombie Apocalypse, and and ha- mm-hmm. happy with a shirt that says, I'm not single, I'm just saving myself for Thor. Love that. Need that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that one was a pretty funny shirt. Yeah, it, it was cool with the Zombieland vibes. I, I thought it was it was just like a fun episode, which is weird because it's zombies, but it, like it was so fun. I thought it was cool the time they chose to have it happen of like the Hulk coming down before Thanos came. Like, of all the times for everyone to turn to a zombie, that's really shitty time for it to happen. Oh, yeah. that And that'd be scary, too. Like, you come back and just... Like, again, in that beginning of the episode, uh, the zombies are just eating him, and he he's like, he has no idea what's... Or they're eating Thanos' Black Order guys, and they have no idea what's going on. And I also loved how the Watcher's, like, narrating it, and he's like, yep, the whole reason this all started is thanks to the Avengers, because they tried to help, and they did a poor job of it. Yeah, like literally Captain America goes in and immediately gets infected. And I'm like, good job, Cap. Good job. And then um, one of the things that I kind of want to point out that's super cool is that in this movie or this TV show, they finally reference Uncle Ben, which they haven't done in in the MCU yet. Mm, And they they also reference Spider-Man's mom when he's talking in that really... I I like that scene where um, Hope is getting infected, Hope's infected, and Peter's being his normal Peter Parker self where he's trying to, you know, keep the hope alive. And he like was like, well, when my grandma was alive, you know, she said, you know, if you're not smiling, then you might as well be gone as well. And I was like, oh, dang, like that's some uh, that's just a great line is like with great power comes great responsibility. Now, there's also some great lines too later, but we got to we got to talk about what they end up finding. So Hope sacrifices herself for them to go to the safe house where they meet Vision and find out that the Mind Stone is inherently like zombie proof, basically. So the other thing that I really appreciated about this episode is that not only did they have a cool way of introducing the virus, but they had a really cool way of how they were going to find a cure. Mm. And not only that, but they had like good science behind like, there's a frequency that caused this in the limbic system and the brain. And like, like they had it, like it was very short, but it was like a well thought out, like this is why there's a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Like they didn't just have a montage of Bruce Banner being like, I'm a do science. And then he just does it. They, they came up with an explanation and I loved the fact that they added in more of a WandaVision element, except this time the roles are reversed, you know, like it's vision trying to preserve Wanda instead. You talk about how this episode is a fun, like, palate cleanser from the last episode, but then you get this freaking dark, like, unsettling thing where Vision is luring humans into his lair to feed Wanda because he can't, like, kill her because of his love, even though logically that would, like, I feel like that would, like, mess with his brain because he's supposed to protect humanity, but now he's protecting his zombie wife. True, you have a point. I mean, they were literally eating T'Challa's lower leg, you know, like that's freaking dark. And you have the famous line where, uh, you know, T'Challa, aka Chadwick, is saying, you know, in my culture, uh, you know, death doesn't mean that it's the end. And it's like, oh, oh, they hit right in the fields. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was good seeing Chadwick back again. I mean, it wasn't as great as his other What If episode. I mean, he's literally there with a lower leg eaten off. But it was definitely in the feels part. Yeah, and I also liked the the end of the episode because you got to see... I don't know why, but I didn't realize I needed this in my life. But a Hulk versus Wanda fight, even if it was a zombified Mm. Wanda fight, or Wanda... It still was B.A. seeing Hulk go at Wanda and, like, seeing them go at it. And I really appreciated Bucky just kind of sacrificing himself. And I don't know how many clips he has, but he just kept on reloading his pistol and just shooting it at her. And it's like, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish here, my guy. Yeah, you're not going to do much there, bro. But I, I freaked out when, like, Bruce Banner gets bit. And I'm like, oh, shoot zombie hulk this is bad and then it's just like just enough hulk arm was there so they couldn't get through the skin i'm like okay okay that makes sense see i feel it's weird like in this episode they were willing to stay true to the fact that the hulk wouldn't die from a zombie fight but in the other episode where he like his heart explodes he still dies i don't know they should have like 
been consistent. Either he became a zombie or he didn't die in the other episode and just left him on Sakaar. It is, it is inconsistency, but I, I prefer an immortal Hulk, you know? A Hulk that just doesn't die in Rex. And again, someone's going to be like, well, that's why it's called What If, and that's a different universe. I know. I know. I understand. Shut up. <laughs> um, I personally like this episode the most. I think the humor mixed with the gore, mixed with the the well the vision versus wanda and then we even haven't even gotten to the very end this is also another episode where it's super unsettling because okoye makes a point how wakanda is the last sole surviving area uh, that's you know protected by humans but then it flashes to wakanda and there's thanos with five of the six infinity stones completely zombified and you're like oh crap they are screwed yeah, that was that was so dope. That was such a dope ending. They're so boned, but that was such a dope ending. And and in this episode, you're just like, there's no happy ending. No, like that's that's not okay. Like we like this Peter a lot, but he's definitely gonna die. Like there's no way that they survive that. And okay, I'm sorry, but I think you're wrong with how like what episode's more dark versus the Doctor Strange in this one. Vision literally commits suicide on screen. He rips the Mind Stone out of his head and then dies. Like, but, like, the pure energy of the episode. Like, Doctor Strange is spending the whole episode depressed as hell. And then in this one, they're like, zombie land rules. And, like, in the zombie thing, you can be lighthearted and have a lot of people die because it's zombies. But you are right. There are darker elements than I give it credit for. Either way, I think you guys, if you haven't seen the episodes, please check them out. What if is really good? I'm trying to convince like all my friends to watch it, and they're like, nah, it's a cartoon. I'm like, shut up. It's amazing. If you like comic books, you're going to like this. Like Marvel has yet to let you down. Talking to you, Dad. <laughs> it, it is worth watching, guys. It's, it's really fun. It's, it's something different, something creative, you know? All right. On the comic front, I apologize. I have not been reading comics because I was in South Carolina um going to a wedding that's right destination destination wedding it was awesome had a lot of fun wouldn't say it was like the most relaxing thing because there was so much going on but it was great hanging out with family if that makes sense so we will come next time with a nice comic of the week probably a little bit more what if and of course all the nerdy nuggets but on that note everyone have a great week